0: What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and we are smack into the month of September. Labor Day weekend is officially behind us, and for most of my friends in the Northeast, it's the first day of school. I remember the day after Labor Day always being the first day of school growing up in New York, or technically it was the second day after Labor Day, but be that as it may, All the kids are back in school, all sorts of amazing things are happening, and I hope you are doing well as well. We're in a different kind of world, and I don't think anybody anticipated virtual learning, etc., etc., or all the things that we have going on these days. But I'm certainly glad that you are safe. I hope you are well rested after Labor Day. I took some time to do that as well. And so uh, we're ready to come back with a lot of things. And there was a lot that happened Labor Day weekend. And we're going to get into all of that. Got to shout out all of our friends who were hanging out with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Shout out to everyone who is subscribed to our podcast, which you can check out at all podcast platforms at The Faction Show. If you're not subscribed, click the subscribe button. If you are subscribed, do us a favor. Rate and leave a comment for us as well. It lets everybody know what your thoughts are on The Faction, and it puts us in front of more eyes. All right. So there's a lot to get into for this busy Labor Day weekend. It kicked off with SmackDown. So Friday night's episode of SmackDown drew in an average of 2.066 million viewers. It's a dip, the first dip we've seen on SmackDown since the advent of the Thunderdome, and really the first dip we've seen since around July the 31st. So it dropped from 2.181 million viewers, and uh, there was quite a bit that happened on this show, particularly the biggest moment in my estimation certainly was the heel turn or the breakup of Sasha Banks and Bayley. I think, well, for me, I thought, it was going to go a bit longer that we wouldn't see the breakup till maybe royal rumble time to set them up for wrestlemania but the trigger has been pulled and what a beatdown it was for bailey now i hope we're not going to see bailey sasha at night of champions or clash of champions i think it is a wrestlemania worthy match We've been building this story for years now. I think it deserves to culminate at WrestleMania with a marquee and dare I even say main event match. But we also saw a tag team title match there where uh, Sasha and Bayley would not regain the tag team championship. So it looks like we've got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler as our tag champs for a minute. And if we're honest, they are an incredible tag team. Two dominant women we didn't expect to be together being together. And uh, they're really doing, I think, some fantastic things. Shout out to the women's division in WWE. Perhaps the other big moment, and I said arguably big because... Because there were two big moments, we got to see Roman Reigns have his first interaction with his cousin, Jey Uso, since joining with Paul Heyman. And so this became very, very interesting. We also saw Big E get knocked out of the fatal four-way number one contenders match. In comes Jey Uso. And can you believe Jey Uso? is the number one contender right now for the Universal Championship held by Roman Reigns. So we're gonna see a first time kind of match with Roman versus Jey Uso, and I gotta tell you, it's one of the reasons why I am loving SmackDown. People are getting opportunities that don't normally get opportunities, and we've got some intriguing storylines here. What does it mean to have a family battle for the Universal Championship? Will they get testy? Will Roman sacrifice his cousin Jay? Will Jay ultimately end up heading over to be a Paul Heyman guy, and will Paul Heyman end up managing the bloodline? I think there are a lot of places for this to go. And if you've heard Courtney Beard talk about it uh, in previous shows, he feels like the WWE missed the opportunity to really do some things with the bloodline, being that entire awesome Samoan family line. So think about this. You have the Usos, you have Roman, you have Naya, you have Tamina, you have an opportunity to create a really amazing situation, all managed by Paul Heyman. This could be a thing. It really could be a thing. And I like potentially where it's going on Smackdown. So shout out to Smackdown. I thought it was a great show this past Friday night. And uh, it really gave us a lot of what we needed to move into the road to clash of champions. With that said, let's move over to AEW as AEW presented All Out this past Saturday. So there was a lot of anticipation for it. If you remember, it is the two-year anniversary of All In, the card where really the genesis for AEW is. Happened. You know, they were challenged by Dave Meltzer to fill a 10,000 seat arena. It moved Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega into this special place where they realized not only can we do this, but we can have a full on organization. And so with that said, things got very, very interesting. Uh, Obviously, the birth of AEW last year's All Out was incredible as it crowned the first ever AEW world champion. So what would happen at this year's All Out? Certainly, the card on paper looked like it was going to be amazing. And I have to say, walking away from it, it's the first time that I found myself significantly disappointed with AEW's product. Let me talk a little bit about the results and then we'll kinda talk about what worked and what didn't. From a results perspective, in the buy-in, Joey Janela Defeated Serpentico Private Party defeated Dark Order And then when we got into things We had the Tooth and Nail match Big Swole defeated Dr. Britt Baker The Young Bucks defeated Jurassic Express Lance Archer won the Casino Battle Royal Matt Hardy defeated Sammy Guevara In a Broken Rules match Then we saw Hikaru Shida Defeat Thunder Rosa to retain the AEW Women's Championship Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky and the Natural Nightmares defeated the Dark Order then for the AEW tag team titles FTR defeats Kenny Omega and Adam Page Orange Cassidy wins the Mimosa Mayhem match against Chris Jericho and Jon Moxley defeats MJF for the AEW championship so I'll just say this I found myself first of all when I watched the pay-per-view well before I even do that let me just kind of Pull the curtain back and give you some transparency. I did not watch the pay per view live. I did catch it the next day. I stayed off of social media intentionally as to not get any spoilers. But one of the things I noticed was either I'm doing a really good job of staying off of social media or I'm not hearing the buzz. And so when I watched the first match, uh, not in the buy-in, but in the actual pay-per-view, it started with kind of what was supposed to be a cinematic type of match with Britt Baker and Big Swole. So the plus... I think Big Swole being on an actual pay-per-view is a good situation. Though I think this battle and this program with her and Britt Baker has not gotten me invested enough to want to see it on pay-per-view. I think it could have been on Dynamite. And for a movie match to start the card... I don't think it was the best move for AEW, and it was disappointing to me. Um, from there, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express doesn't even seem on paper like a tag match that would be a challenge for the Bucks, but it did give the Bucks an opportunity to showcase their more aggressive side. So kudos to them on that. Uh, the Casino Battle Royal, eh, I will say this Will Hobbs got certainly a bit of shine which I thought was good Uh, he's been on AEW dark for quite a bit but the opportunity to start seeing him built was exciting and the other side of things Matt Seidel um, you know made his AEW debut but This was kind of indicative of what the rest of the night would be. He came into the top rope, and when he got on the top rope, he started to do his uh, classic shooting star press and slipped off the top rope and nearly broke his neck. That really was a picture of what this AEW pay-per-view was like, because then in the next match... Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara, Broken Rules match, finally an opportunity to see Broken Matt Hardy at work, and then within three minutes, Matt Hardy goes through a table and hits his head on the concrete, and they stop the match. He looked like he had a concussion. It looked very, very serious, only for them to somehow restart the match a few minutes later, and the match would end very, very quickly. It seemed like it was premature, with Sammy Guevara falling about 15 feet through a table from the scaffolding. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And AEW normally is far better than this. Now, I'll say this, right? There are just some nights where everything doesn't Click. I've seen it in performances. I've been a part of performances where the night just doesn't happen the way you think it should or the way you anticipate it. Uh, And even with Jim Ross trying to sell the fact that it's been an amazing pay-per-view, it did not translate. I enjoyed the women's title match as much as I thought I would. Uh, It was a really good match. I thought Thunder Rosa was amazing, and she really brings something to the AEW women's division. Honestly, I know she's the NWA women's champion, but I think she'd be signed, and if this was not on AEW's all-out pay-per-view, I think we would have had a new AEW women's champion. I enjoy Thunder Rosa's work and uh, it just made me think who's going to be brave enough to pull the trigger and have someone come from another organization and win their championship historically it doesn't happen but you want to talk about something that would have kept AEW talking this weekend if Thunder Rosa had won that championship and took it back to the NWA next week that would have been huge it would have been massive but I think it also would have made a statement About the strength or lack thereof Of AEW's women's division Um, Perhaps the big shining moment here Was FTR winning the tag team championship I still feel like the match was a little long um, But they won the championship Which we all kind of felt like would happen And uh, this is obviously setting them up For a match with the Young Bucks Which could happen at the next pay-per-view In November, full gear So before we finish talking about AEW There are two more matches to talk about Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, another match that didn't fully make sense. Um, I, I don't know. I get the idea of putting Orange Cassidy over, and I'm totally cool with that. But it just didn't have that thing, that spark. In fact, there may have been too many specialty kinds of matches, and none of them really delivered. The Broken Rules match, the Tooth and Nail match, the Mimosa Mayhem match, none of them really did. they were supposed to do. So I'm very interested to see how they bounce back from this. Last but not least, Moxley, MJF for the AEW championship. Um, Shout out to Moxley, who got the win by using some rather dastardly deeds, which, you know, hey, that's the thing. When the ref's back is turned, hit the move that's outlawed and win the match. I think that's kind of cool. But I will say this. um, On one hand, I feel like AEW is building some stars. They're giving us guys like MJF. They're building Orange Cassidy. Uh, they're getting us interested in you know some of the other talent that they have there but my concern right now an interesting point that i saw someone make that is all of the current male champions in aew are formerly from wwe and i mean recently formerly from wwe be that john moxley be that Brody lee or be that now ftr what does that say? And I my concern when it comes to AEW is they're gonna need to legitimately build new stars. Now, was MJF ready to be the world champion? I don't know. But I think it's gotta happen sooner than later. Other than that, you become what WCW was. And we talked about that on a previous episode. And that is the fact that they did not really build stars. AEW has to build a roster and and go with guys and gals that really don't have a WWE pedigree. Because if they don't, what they're ultimately saying is, we needed WWE to be great. And I know some people may disagree with me, but let's just consider this. Consider the fact that all of the AEW World Champions, which there have only been two, have been Chris Jericho and Jon Moxley, all former WWE guys. You know, you look at the TNT Championship, Cody and Brody Lee, all former WWE guys. Um, Why have not the tag team champions uh, been the Young Bucks yet? Why has Kenny Omega not battled for the AEW World Championship yet? And then the one spot where there aren't a litany of former WWE talents seems to be underdeveloped, and that would be the women's division where you had Riho, you had... Nyla Rose, and now you have Hikaru Shida, none of them with a WWE pedigree. Also, none of them are at the spot where we go, yeah, that's the person to put the rocket ship on. So I wanna get your thoughts. What'd you think of AEW's all-out pay-per-view? I could be way off in my thoughts, Um, so I want to hear your thoughts on what you thought of the AEW pay-per-view. So before we go, there are two other things I want to mention, and I will mention them very briefly because I'm a little over my time. First and foremost, um, there's a new documentary on Amazon Prime called You Can't Kill David Arquette. Now, most of us will remember David Arquette from winning the WCW championship in 2000, which I know I looked at as one of the moments that we said WCW is done and dead. Many fans have not forgiven him for that. This tells the journey of him Attempting to get back into the world of pro Wrestling what that has all meant The steps that he's taken And uh, I think it's a great great Watch I took a chance to watch it yesterday I enjoyed what I saw I'll likely watch it again hope you'll check It out if you have Amazon Prime it's only $4.99 to rent and uh, I think it'll be a good good opportunity For you to get the story on David Arquette and decide if your opinion about Him changes at all Last but not least the SH SHW Rumble Jack. Our first card back since the pandemic is now available on IWTV, independentwrestling.tv. It is a great streaming service for all independent wrestling. There are about 170 promotions on there. The new episode from SHW is there now. I'm on commentary along with my broadcast partner, Brandon Benefield. It was a great, great night. You get to see the Rumble Jack, two title matches, and much more. So go ahead Check it out. If you've not subscribed to IWTV, you can do it today and use the promo code SHW and your first five days will be free. All right, we'll get out of here right now. Remember, tonight is NXT Super Tuesday 2, where we will see the NXT championship decided between Adam Cole and Finn Balor. We'll also get a cage match between Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez. I'm really looking forward to that as those two are two of my favorite females in NXT. NXT. So that's going to be amazing. Tomorrow we'll have a recap of Monday Night Raw, NXT, Super Tuesday 2, and more. Until next time, it's your man GB, Gerard Bonner, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and of course the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we're known as the faction. Have a great day.